everybody. It's a glass one half full, one half empty. You decide. It's just me and Patrick this time. Griffin is in Palo Alto doing some stuff. I'm not really sure. He's watching a Dodgers game. I think he's being a third wheel. Um, he is, yes, he is being a third wheel. Um, he's, you know what he's definitely doing? He's collecting that money that he owes me for winning his bracket. <laughs> Did you pay him? I, pay, I paid immediately. Okay, good. I didn't pay because I was very confident that I was going to win. Wow, and I won. this guy. And I won. I thought it was like only 10 people in the bracket because like when you went and look at the standings, it was like yeah. it only showed 10 people. Yeah. But then like I was like, huh, it says show full standings. So I clicked it and I was like, there's five more people. That's 50 more bucks. <laughs> I was like hyped because I thought I was going to win 90 bucks. But now it's 100, 140 bones, baby. So that's a re recap of my week. You had to pay me. Griffin had to pay me. Unfortunately, couldn't be here to bask in this. <laughs> I had a uh, this right here. Yeah, fantasy basketball, not fun. But anyway, we're <laughs> we're here to talk about some music. Um, we had two last weeks. We had some guests on. No guests this week. Uh, two weeks ago, we had Sean from Stay Cool Radio talk to us about some cool stuff of him um, learning how to DJ in Japan and starting his radio show and doing some interviews. Um, and then we talked to Kari about his new album, Captain, that comes out April 6th, which will be last Friday when you're listening to this. Um, yeah. And that should be really cool. Kari was just talking to us about um, being an internet the fader, um, learning how to market himself, even though he kind of knew how to do it before, but working at the fader just helped him out and stuff. And just kind of his new album and streaming platforms and some other cool indie music yeah, stuff. Yeah, we, we, we didn't even like... I mean, because we hadn't heard the album. We'd only heard the singles, the same singles everyone had heard. Yeah. We, like, didn't really even talk about that. No. It was just mainly focused on, like, his, like, his relationship with the industry and how that kind of, like, comes off in his music rather than, like, digging through each track and asking him what stuff was about and all that. So, yeah, good conversation. Yeah, nice chat. I don't know if you guys want to go listen to those, but this time, yeah, we... me accidentally calling uh, Kari's not clothing brand a clothing brand. <laughs> Right after you said not to call it a clothing yeah, brand. This guy. Yeah. But um, this time, me and Patrick are returning to our um, album review for the month little series that we started in January. Um, if Griffin was here, basically, the idea would be we each give each other an album. We each give the other two an album to listen to. So in January, Griffin let um, gave us JPEG Mafia's album to listen to. I gave them... Which is a good choice. That was a yeah. good choice for, like, getting ahead of the curve. Yeah, he told us to listen to it before he was doing his tour and doing South by Southwest. And it was kind of one of those things where as soon as I heard him, I thought I started just seeing him everywhere. Mm -hmm. Everybody was covering yeah. him. And I'm not trying to sound like I heard him first, but it was just very, yeah. like, the time... I think it was just so explosive, his release. Um that he was like touring with milo and stuff yeah it was kind of just a little domino effect that yeah people just started hearing him and talking about him and it all just by like end of february i think all the big blogs had covered him and it's like it was one of those things where it's like south by southwest like did what it was supposed to do with an artist and yeah. kind of like everybody like kind of heard about this guy and then they went to southwest south by southwest saw him and came out of it being like yeah this guy's awesome um, so it wasn't so much hype that it was just like the actual discovery of an artist. Yeah. And I, I heard he puts on a hell of a show and I'm really pissed. I missed, um, when he came with Milo. 
Um, I, I was out of town, and it wasn't worth being out of town to miss that show, probably. But anyway, mm-hmm. yeah, so, and also, I, so I gave Patrick and Griffin um, Chris Dave and the Drumheads album, and Patrick thought he was hilarious and gave me and Griffin the Fall Out Boy album to listen to. I, it's just like, when you, when we came up with this idea, you guys were like, all right, well, we're going to, like, give every, we're, like, we're going to give each other an album, like, not knowing if the other person's going to like it or not. Like, not knowing if they're going to like it or not. And then both of you were like, I've been listening to this album. It's so good. I really like it. And, like, I think you guys will like it. All this kind of stuff. Like, hyping these albums up. Maybe not so much with you with Chris Dave, but more so Griffin with the yeah, JPEG Mafia. Talk about Peggy a lot. Um, veteran. But, uh, yeah, so I was just like, I hadn't I hadn't heard a, a second of the Fall Out Boy album, but I had heard nothing but bad things. And it didn't disappoint. And yeah, everybody listened to like a forty-minute uh, EDM Fall Out Boy album, and so that's uh, that's the main concept. And I'm sure that next time we do this with Griffin back here, we'll try and you know keep each other a bit more ambiguous as to if we really like it or not. Um, but this time around, I guess we could just be very upfront. These two albums that we're going to talk about that came out in March, uh, we like the hell out of both of them. Um, so there's going to be no negative speak on this podcast. It's really just a, a, a glass completely full this time around. Um, though who knows, that can change. Uh, all right, so what do you want to get started with? Um, which, which album? So I will. Say, I guess we we should mention both of them before we get into yes, it. Yes, but, but I will them. mention before that this is the second time we're recording this podcast because of a technical difficulty on Patrick's side. Um, yeah, which which happened during the last podcast with Kari, but we were able to kind of smooth that over yeah, pretty. It's like you guys can nicely. never tell. Um, <laughs> but I say so. Last time we talked about Fonte's uh, album first. I say let's talk about the other album first. And okay, so well, there you go. A little bit of workshop. Oh yeah. So what I presented to Patrick to listen to was "Everything's Fine" by Gene Gray and Quelle Chris, and what Patrick presented me was Fonte's "No News Is Good News." Um, both albums that I think we had a slight chance of listening to, but it could have fallen through the cracks. So I think this works out well. Um, yeah, especially like I'm, I've been really terrible at, at keeping up with music since not blogging. I can imagine. Like yeah. every single day, like I've been really, really, really bad at keeping up with music, but, um, these are definitely two albums that I either like hopped on right away or I was just like, I need to listen to this like in the immediate future. Um, so yeah, I'm glad we now have the chance to kind of listen to them and discuss them and stuff. Yeah, so let's get into Gene Grant Quality Chris's album. Congratulations, because they are engaged, possibly married. I, I'm not. Sh- I think I I, th- I think they're just engaged at the moment. Yeah. But either way, but congrats yeah, to it's her a nice little like underground indie rap scene marriage. That's nice to mm-hmm. to see. Yeah, <laughs> um, and Gene Gray Jean Gray's been around for a while. She's been around for you know 90s, 15, 20 yeah. years. Um. And yeah, and then Quelle Chris, he's been releasing music with Mellow Music Group for the last, I don't know, a little under a decade at this point. I think most of the 2010s. Um, and uh, did we ever get the, the the exact full name of his last album, which was really good, but um, I don't... Yeah, Being You is great. Uh, I wish I could be you more often. There it goes. So yeah, um, I, I, I chose this album because... Everything's fine. Yeah, everything's fine. Because I thought... I, well, I, I didn't think. I knew for sure it was going to be an interesting listen. Um, mm-hmm. I And interesting in a good way. Knowing Quale Chris's 
like it's i don't want to say like he's because he's, he's not a comedy rapper but is his no. music is very um entertaining it's it's very thought-provoking um it's a it's a little bit a, a little bit like open mike eagle where it's like it's a little bit like dark comedy yeah um, witty uh-huh. um and it, it's always a refreshing sound it's something that i i have not heard before for the most part um quality uh-huh. chris usually does most of his own producing yeah. um and he does produce most of this album um while well, gene gray is a, just a, she's a great rapper uh great writer um also she's got some bars on this album yeah she too. does um <laughs> like like i feel like quality chris says some weird things then gene gray just comes through with like <laughs> great rapping great writing yeah. um and she's also like she's been doing it like you said for like 15 years yeah. um um, I, I think the culmination of like the great production from Quelle Chris and, and Jean Grey rapping came on Zero toward the end of it, which is uh, it kind of just revolves around the fact that it's like zero fucks given and it's just Jean Grey snapping. I don't get what she's saying like half the time. Like it's just like a bunch of kind of words masterfully jumbled into like into bars um, that I'm sure if I sat with it for a while might make more sense. But then the, just the production is like really grimy and punchy and, uh, yeah, just the production over the whole project is like so varying, but it all kind of like seems to come together pretty well. Yeah. I will say with this album, I feel like I could definitely sit down for a good amount of time and have it on repeat. And it would take me a while to fully get everything that's happening because it seems not that it's necessarily a concept album, but I, I guess it is. Uh, yeah, I'd, it's, it's, I'd, I'd say it's a concept album. Yeah, there's definitely a... It's not, follow, it's not following a, an exact linear story or anything like that, but it's all kind of revolving around the fact that... Uh, it's like satire. Yeah, and it's like... It's like a satirical album about the fact that, like, we're all just kind of brushing off these... What? Ridiculousness of the world as, like, just like... Yeah, it's like, you know, everything's normal. It's like that one meme. It's like that everything's fine yeah. dog meme. Yeah. That it's just like, it just has this little cup of joe and everything's burning around him and he's just sitting there smiling. And what it means to be like, quote unquote, fine today. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Um, what's it, like Ashley being, is that what her name at the beginning of that skit is? Um, she's has a master's degree and has been unemployed for 15 years, but everything's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just like every, it's like, there's only one response to everything that people ask you like it's just it's all good everything's fine um yeah and so they bring a lot of comedians in i guess we're kind of just jumping all over the place here they bring a lot of comedians in to kind of like uh play these roles of people who are just saying like you know giving different variations of people who are saying everything's fine i think the the peak of the album uh or the peak of their commentary on the kind of society around us is when Nick Offerman comes in yeah. toward the end. Mm-hmm. And he and he's pretty much just saying, like, he's like, no, like, after everything that they had been saying, uh, he's just like, he's like, I'm telling you, everything is fine. If it doesn't impact you, it doesn't matter. Everything's okay. Like, you don't have to worry about it. And it comes with a very, like, sardonic tone to it. Mm-hmm. Um, sardonic and sarcastic tone of just, like, obviously that is how so many people think especially when it comes to voting and when it comes to just people's general welfare of just like well i'm fine so it's okay but they're obviously coming from a point to where like that's not how you should be thinking (laughs) um 
So, yeah. Yeah, I thought, and not only is it, like you said, like a bit of our sarcastic tone, it's very soothing tone that goes along with what you said that this is what people are, is like saying, like to, mm-hmm. when, um, in response to all of this. And I, and I'm, I was actually very surprised that they got Nick Offerman, Hannibal Burris to do a verse, uh, Michael Che, like all on the album mm-hmm. as guests. Um, I thought the Osh, the Osh, I mean, was it, I think yeah. it's like Osh. Like Osh shit? Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's like, a, I read it as one to say Osh, but I know mm. it's like Osh, and that just sounds yeah. kind of weird. But anyway, um, Hannibal Burris' verse is funny. Um, it's a bit staggered. Um, yeah. And I think that just that kind of like all over the placeness adds to the message of the album in general. Um, yeah, I mean, just just off rip, they mentioned like my contributions to this scam. That's like, yeah. that's just that that like no matter how uh, how much they comment on the society around them, I think just off rip, they're just like, like I understand that I am like we are somewhat of a problem to this too. Um, not that they're better than anybody, but they're just like commenting on the world around us while being like, yeah, like. I, I wear things that are just like, you know, whatever, or I do certain things or I think certain things that, um, you know, that kind of contribute to this scam. That is, uh, the fact that everything's fine or the fact that, you know, we're, we're so accepting of this on its surface, you know? Yeah. It's, they're, they're very critical on, it's like the people who are saying everything's fine, that they're like directing it that they're critical against but they're also very critical on themselves um and it's all just said very satirically sarcastically and comedically at points mm-hmm. um and it's it's it is pretty dense we were talking about that on our own yeah it's dense in in number one just absorbing the subject matter and then dense number two it's just like it's almost an hour long as well um so not that it runs long or anything it's just like it's it's just a lot to kind of sit down and take in all at one time. Um, especially like each song runs like four five, six minutes long. And there's, there are these like monologues in between verses and in between songs and such. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, I, one of the parts that really stuck out to me, um, breakfast of champions, uh, towards the end, like Quillet Chris starts it eating his breakfast and then talking about someone getting shot by the cops. And it's, it's yeah. just like, I can imagine all of America doing that, like just sitting there in their house, watch, uh, watching the news while they're eating breakfast. They see these terrible news on the TV, but it's just like, keep eating breakfast going all mm-hmm. with my day. Yeah. And like, what, what do you say? It was like, is it Virginia or whatever or something like that? Um, I woke up, um, ate my breakfast, saw somebody else got shot up this time by some cops in Texas or Virginia. Can't remember. Yeah. It's just like, all right, well, it happened again. And it's just like, well, that's just what happens at breakfast now. That's just the sort of thing that you find out when it's like, obviously there are millions of people who are just so not acceptant of this. It's just kind of become an overall tone of just like, I mean, he kind of captured it right there. It's just like, well, it's like, which one was it again? Like, which was the guy we're talking about now? Which unarmed black person got shot in which location? Yeah. Um, and it's just like, it's, yeah, it's just the commentary of just how, sad it happened and just the fact that it is not, not how sad it is that like that's the mindset so many people are now is that they can't remember and then also just the fact that like that's just how it is now 
Um, yeah, and it's almost yeah. like that ate my breakfast line is as heavy as the somebody else got shot up line. Um, like, obviously not through his perspective, but through somebody else's perspective, it's like that's what it is. It's like whoever's seeing that news is finishing their breakfast, moving on. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's it's heavy. I got it. It's it, <laughs> yeah. It, it and that there's a lot of stuff like that throughout this album that are just kind of um, lyrics that are handed off that are very um, kind of just like heavy hand. Not, I don't know, heavy hand. It's not like a uh, the way to say it. But um, like on gold, it's just like they, they they might hit you a couple bars later or something like that, and it's just like oh fuck. Yeah, it's like uh, you know they kind of just like after it sits with you, it like it really cuts deep. Yeah, like um, gold, purple, orange, when Clay Chris is basically just like um, he's writing off contradictions. Um, uh, he starts it off. Everybody getting money had a game plan. Every truth seeker dropped by a hitman. Everybody alt right gotta be white. Everybody disagree gotta be wrong. And it's just like he goes on and on about contradictions and like what is um, seeing things as not black and white um, and people grouping things in certain ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it, I need to sit with this album a lot longer. I do really like it. Um, there's one way to listen to it of just kind of letting it play and enjoying it. Yeah, especially just like with it, just in terms of the production. Like, yeah, I forget which song it was. I'm gonna scroll through it, um, just in a second. But I, I heard like kind of that like slow rolling like West Coast G funk in there, and there was the kind of like you know shit you'd hear on like the Chronic in terms of like a, it was like lo-fi West Coast. I don't know. It was just really good, and it's just like the production itself switches. I think like we mentioned at the beginning, from like from like boom bap to lo-fi to to kind of just like really kind of like extraterrestrial type shit just to like really grimy and punchy Mm -hmm. um so yeah there is i guess that one way to listen to it um but yeah it definitely takes a lot of your attention on here yeah and i i think it like i was saying it's it's there's that one way to listen to it but there's also uh just really absorbing everything they're saying and getting every little bit in and trying to make your own judgment from it and I feel like I'm still not 100% there. I need to keep listening some more. Um, sure. But yeah, I, I really enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm very glad that you pointed it out. Um, because it's something I had seen that like a lot of people, I think it got like picked up in the Times or something like that. Like the New York Times. One of their head uh, music writers was writing about it. Like a lot of people are recognizing it um, as just a really... I mean, it makes sense that it's just a very smart, um, deeply layered project because it's coming from two people who have been doing that type of music for such a long time. Um, so yeah, I'm very glad that it finally came together. Um, and it came from two people who have like, it's not like it just came from out of the blue. Number one, they're engaged, obviously, but they've been working together for a while now. So mm-hmm. I'm glad there was a whole project that fully culminated into something so smart about our society. Yeah, and they they mesh together perfectly they mm-hmm. there's not yeah it, it, not, mm-hmm. it didn't feel like it didn't feel like one person was like rapping too much everyone kind of got their due time and said what they needed to said it, it nice wasn't gene Je- gray featuring quality chris or it wasn't quality mm-hmm. chris featuring gene gray yeah exactly um yeah so that was cool so the um fonte's album 
Patrick, why did you want me to listen to this? Um, I, well, number one, because it's just Fonte, um, and it just dropped kind of out of the blue, uh, or we were given one or two days notice. You know, how many years ago was it now that Beyonce dropped her album? I think it was 2013. It's, n- it's never um, been the th- same since. Yeah, and just like just the fact of people dropping albums and uh, on a surprise and just like kind of brushing them to the side, like it was a marketing tactic for a while. And I don't feel like Fonte directly did it as a marketing tactic. I just think he finally felt like, all right, well, I'm just gonna drop it. Um, but yeah, so it was like I was I was coming to visit you in Boston, and it dropped on the second of March. Uh, and that's what I listened to, especially because um, I had like 45 minutes left in the flight. And I was like, oh, shit, this thing's only like 33 minutes long or something. Um, and yeah, so I picked it, number one, because it's Fonte. Number two, um, just because it was something I was listening to at the time. And why did I pick it heading back? I think I was just scrolling through all the albums that had come out in March in terms of hip-hop releases and such. And I didn't realize like that still came out in March. Um because I had listened to it, you know, scattered throughout the month, and I think just the the month went on so long that it was something I wanted to revisit. And I'm not too sure if you or Griffin, who unfortunately couldn't do the podcast with us, had listened to it too much at the time. So, yeah, I it w- I feel like me in 2011 would have definitely been on top of it, like the beginning of the March, being in March. Yeah. Um, but. 2011 when his last solo album yeah, came out yeah and his, his yeah, debut we should solo mention. album um mm-hmm. and his only solo album at the time charity starts yeah. at home which at the time i really liked um and i was talking to patrick about this before um it was between charity starts at home and ninth wonders the wonder years i loved those two albums and it was they were at a came at a very important like very busy time of the blog era uh, mm-hmm. maybe on its downhill um, but still very popular i remember just always checking two dope boys and seeing their year-end lists and stuff like that and i remember those two fine I, I can still kind of remember like the little two dope boys graphic and both of them being yeah. on there i'm not sure if i was listening to them before or after but i definitely remember being excited seeing the little albums on the graphics probably under like shakes or mecca's list um mm-hmm. but yeah so I heard of no news is good news, but I don't think I had ever really cared to like look into it, um, just because I, I've had a, like a tough time trying to listen to so much new music, because there's always something new. Um, mm-hmm. It's not and it's not like everything's coming out on Friday. It's just all over the place. Yeah, um, there's yeah. stuff on SoundCloud. There's stuff on Spotify. There's stuff on. There's big albums coming out. Little albums coming out, and it yeah. So Fonte's album just kind of fell through the cracks. Especially when it's like a little 30-minute album that kind of drops in on a whim and then kind of may go to the breeze the next week. Yeah. Um, but uh, I am glad you brought it to my attention because it you reminded me of how good Fonte is of a rapper. Um, yeah. Especially because like the last, I don't know, since his last project, a lot of his stuff, a lot of his projects have been like focused around singing. Um, he's done a bit with a foreign exchange, but, uh, where he sings and, uh, and, uh, he did a, a collab project with Eric Roberson called Tigalero, which I guess combines both of their nicknames. Uh, and he sings on that too. And that's kind of like wake up on Sunday morning and play it and kind of just like chill around the house with your girl type music. Um, 
Yeah, so a lot of his stuff has been singing, but then the first thing we get on uh, No News is Good News is Fonte rapping, which, yeah, is is really good. Oh, Especially great, yeah. the first, yeah, the, like the first two songs, um, the first what to the rescue, um, immediately starts off with like it kind of reminded me of like a Tribe Called Quest album from a couple of years ago, which is just like really modern, uh, dusty beat, uh, a little offbeat. Um, but it's not really modern and full at the same time. Uh, and then, uh, what was it? So help me God. They're both, they both have this like just complete confidence, uh, of just like what he's here to do. And which is just to kind of just like remind everyone of just how good he is, which I think is important, especially after the last seven years, um, like a seven year gap between albums. And, you know, some people may forget how good you are, especially after dominating, the 2000s along with you know and little brother and such yeah um dominating in terms of garnering people's respect and such uh but then yeah i think where the album really starts to get good is in uh is in the is in the third song um pastor tigolo um in the second half of that song he really starts to like question his own mortality and both in life and in the rap world um and then yeah i think in in the real in the middle piece of this album, he, he just, he's talking about his nutrition and how that just affects his overall health. Um, he talks about like the death of his father, um, how he, how his overall health may affect his relationship with his kids and how like he may have to prepare them for like his early death because of, of, you know, it, not like that's exactly what he's doing, but he just kind of has to like take that into a concern because he's seen so many people around him, especially like, black men in their in their mid 40s like combat jack fife dog like dying of health issues um not necessarily that they could have been prevented by different dietings and things like that there's a whole slew of systemic issues that we could talk about but food scarcity all this kind of stuff food deserts anyway i'm kind of getting off topic here but yeah i think the topics that he starts to dig into kind of really round the album out in a nice way and like you mentioned it kind of provides a nice balance um, of the confidence and just the raw emotion, which we're so used to getting from Fonte. Yeah, it's he definitely shows maturity here, and it's but it doesn't come off in a way that it's like, "Damn, Fonte, you're old." Like it, it never, it never <laughs> feels that way. Fonte feels not not like a Jay Z being like, "We need to accrue wealth." <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um, it's like um, it just feel, it feels really fresh, and it's. I think a lot of it comes down to the topics he's covering. Um, when he talks about himself a lot, um, it's he's covering kind of just what's been going on in his life and how he reflects on it. Um, and also the production. I think all the producers he worked with are young, produ- young budding producers for the most part. Um, I mean, Knotts has been around forever. But mm-hmm. still, like... He's working with people like Abjo, DJ Harrison, Ellingsworth. Um, I'm not sure even some of these names, Tall Black Guy, DJ Cosmos and stuff. Uh, but compared to his last album, Charity Starts at Home, he was working with, you know, a lot of Ninth Wonder, um, Crisis, um, Swift, S1. S1, Swifty. So these guys were, I mean, Ninth Wonder he's always worked with, but it's just a different brand of producer and guys who are maybe a little bit more veteran 
uh, maybe not Swifty at the time, um, but I think working with all these new producers um, really impacts the freshness of the sound on the album. Okay. Um, I mean, a, a lot of it still kind of revolves around the whole uh, kind of like soul loops and, yeah. and boom bap type stuff that I guess Ninth Wonder is so good at. Um, yeah, you're right. It does have a freshness to yeah, it. Yeah, and it's not like a um, a whole new sound. It's it's more like you can hear it in the percussion where it, the the drums sound a little bit more electronic and um, digitized. Especially when Absol, uh, not Abjo, I'm sorry, when Abjo, uh, on Abjo's two songs, the one with Freddie Gibbs and the final song, I believe you said it was. Um, yeah, yeah, it's it's yeah, it's Change of Mind and Euphorium that he produced. Mm-hmm. I thought the Freddie Gibbs song was awesome because yeah. I think Fonte I, basically just like Freddie Gibbs, you're gonna kill it. I'm gonna yeah. do a little singing thing over here. Mm-hmm. I th- that was the one song that Fonte sang on, I believe. Yeah, I think, I or think the so. or the only one that had no Fonte rapping yeah, at least. Yeah. Um, and I, I I never thought I would see a Fonte Abjo Freddie Gibbs song. Not that it's like super far fetched. It's just a interesting yeah. combination. Mm-hmm. Um, and I th- and they're and they're all talking about love and relationships. Yeah, and, and yeah. Such. And I I think that's that's what makes this album so good and feels so fresh. It's um, not that Fonte had too much of a comfort zone, but. It definitely he feels comfortable in stretching it out. Um, I don't think I would have heard these songs too much on um, Charity Starts at Home, um, but it doesn't seem like it's totally different. It seems like more of an extension in different directions. Um, yeah, I think. Well, obviously, like um, Fonte has always brought himself up on on flexibility in terms of his singing yeah. and rapping abilities. Um, but yeah, it was kind of nice to just hear, especially after so much singing, it was nice to hear so much rapping here. Just remind you just how good he is at that. Um, and we were mentioning the songs about love. Uh, the project does kind of have an overall narrative to it. And I don't know if it's always like conscious or subconscious with a lot of um, uh, a lot of these rappers who kind of like in the way they order their songs. Um, sometimes, you know, the disjointedness of them makes for a better album. But this here, like, especially toward the end, I mean, he has a song called Find That Love Again. So after kind of, uh, after kind of questioning his own mortality in the middle of the album, he's kind of going back to a more like lighthearted tone and a send off of just like, kind of, he's like, he, he just had to like, almost like he had to refine the spark again for rapping, his love for his family and all that kind of stuff, just to either maybe turn his life around, turn his health around. There's a lot of like, cause there's a lot of downtrodden things that can happen to someone just, you know, bring you down. Sometimes you just need to find the spark to be yourself again. So. Yeah. And I, I, I liked overall, this album felt really personal. Mm-hmm. Um, between change, uh, getting like a whole new set of producers who were, he hasn't, been with before because i feel like ninth wonder he's kind of um worked with him on a lot of his old projects whether it was actual Mm -hmm. collaborative groups or just having him produce like half of his debut um Mm -hmm. and then also like the length of the album it's a short album it's 10 tracks um a little over 30 minutes um and just the subject matters it all felt really personal and intimate um and i I can really sense that, and I think that's what I really like about this album. It's 
I've, you know, I feel they were Fonte. <laughs> yeah, and 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 the marketing too, in terms of just like, I mean, that surprise release can be, you know, it's it's a real trusting process with your fan base. I don't know exactly how much he sold. Maybe as I'm sitting here rambling, you could quickly look it up. But um, yeah, just in terms of like, kind of just dropping an album and then hoping that not hoping but like kind of just trusting the people who have always supported you to go out and listen to it and care about it and stuff so i'm trying to find it. wikipedia doesn't have it damn i didn't ramble long enough <laughs> uh, but either way like the set the sales don't matter yeah, but all yeah. i'm saying is that like it was still a well-acclaimed album i think a lot of people picked up on it uh you know sometimes it takes just you know a friend to say hey check this out um but yeah, it was just in terms of the marketing in general, like, I don't think he explicitly was like, I'm going to surprise drop this and kind of see where it goes. I think just the fact that he has had this relationship with fans over the last two decades, um, it allows him to kind of just drop something, especially when he knows it's good without like a whole press run or whatever. Yeah. You know? No, I agree. Good, good stuff. But... Um, so those are the two albums that we chose. I, I, I want to try to do it every month, especially when we have all three of us. I think it makes for an interesting conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it helps kind of keep us in check yeah. of, like, what's been coming out. Which, which we need. Like, I saw, like, what's his name? Like, fucking XXX Tentacion drop. Like, just scrolling through um, the March releases, I saw that that was something that dropped. And I had seen one or two pieces on the album that he dropped and i'm just like i have no interest in listening to that there's like i just don't care to listen to it um but knowing that it came out i guess is important in terms of when you're having conversations with other people and such but yeah i mean i yeah i just i don't care to talk about him or listen to him (sighs) yeah i I don't know why i brought him up i'm sorry but um yeah so speaking of uh an up-and-coming act i suppose brockhampton um, they are basically already here. I'm calling them up and coming. Yeah. But, um, they are mm-hmm. front row. They're on stage. Like they are. They signed 15 million dollar record deal with RCA, uh, which is in number one for a group. That is an insane. Number. All their names are on the deal. Yeah. There's 14 members of Brockhampton. And, you know, all the Kevin Abstracts and the Matt Champions, who are kind of the more bigger faces of them, down the producers like Ramil, who is insane, down to, I don't I don't know all 14 members. I could I probably, don't. if you gave me time, I could the name blue guys. seven of them. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, there's Jabba and there's Amir Van. And anyway. Um, yeah. So I think why we wanted to bring this deal up is because of, of just, of like, how ridiculous on its face this deal seems how ridiculous it is in in good favor for brockhampton yeah number one it's it's a 15 million dollars over three years six albums six albums last year they dropped three albums seemingly with like no issue of just like kind of stressing about the quality i don't know if there's going to be a demand on like all right if two out if it's like all right you have to do two albums every year or if like each album has to have 20 songs i assume i assume they'll have to have a a decent amount of songs because off rip with the details that billboard reported on this deal that this deal doesn't include any merch or any touring it seems like rca is paying 
for the streams of their albums. Yeah. That's just what it seems like. It, it seems like they're paying for album sales, which seems like a very good idea back in 1998 <laughs> or 1996 when Wu-Tang Clan is signing. But in like 2018, it just doesn't seem smart. But I guess they're taking a gamble that like they'll gain they'll gain Brockhampton's trust or something like that. Or that in three years, you know, streaming will be worth a lot more or something like that. Um, it, it was just wild that like no touring and no merch, which is yeah. how like every independent artist makes their money now. It's like indie artists like don't like signing to labels because number one is usually because that's what it encompasses. It encompasses everything about their touring and their merch and they get less cut of that. But it seems like they're still, they're saying like, all right, keep a hundred percent of that. We're going to give you 15 million. And yeah, they probably don't get anything in album stream sales, but like you got $15 million over three years. Yeah. That's insane. I think, I mean, we're not the ones in the offices. We're not the stones with the suits. Yeah. But, I know, but like most of the music world is not these are these people with the suits, and the suits hardly know what they're doing anyway. Most well, of the time, anyways. I, I, as I was gonna say, like there has to be a lot of now analytics about how big streaming is and how big it's gonna get. Obviously, it might be skewed because I think it's still such a small window that, mm-hmm. like, I don't like people haven't been using Spotify as much as they have are now. Like what, like maybe three years ago, like yeah. this huge spike is insane. And I don't know if the mm-hmm. labels know how to handle them. So I think throwing this much money at Brockhampton is basically them saying, like, if this continues for at least three more years, we're going to make our money back. Um, yeah. And we want to be yeah. in on this trend of Brockhampton. I mean, their top five songs, um, all, like, Bleach has 15 million, stream- Sweet has 17 million. Like, they're getting millions and millions of streams, and... They have 2.5 million monthly listeners. But, like, number one, I don't know, like, all right, if I just, like, look at an artist and I see that they have 2.5 million monthly listeners on Spotify, like, what does that mean they have on Apple Music? What does that mean they have on Tidal? And then, number one, like, I wonder if they've kind of narrowed it down to a formula of just, like, all right, 2.5 million monthly listeners translates to X amount of money. Yeah. You know? And if and if a lot of these labels are like, all right, we're cool with we're cool with um, just taking, you know, album sales and stuff, then that's a big, especially RCA saying that like, that's a big step. I think RCA they might have given SZA like a really good deal too. It seems like RCA themselves are like, kind of like spearheading the fact that of just giving like all these like up and coming artists I guess like really good deals are... really favorable deals so Brockhampton could obviously get bigger um, I think they're pretty big as it is but I think what RCA is hoping is one out of 14 of these guys is gonna blow off of one out of six of these albums Kevin Abstract already has a deal doesn't he I don't know I'm pretty sure he does I'm pretty sure American Boyfriend got released through someone let me check it out. It, it, it See, definitely wasn't all... to this extent. I don't think it was. No, I don't think a massive deal he was signed to. I don't believe so. If, if anything, um, it might have been a one-off. I don't, I don't think... I think... Oh, no. It was it was Brockhampton Records. Okay. I assume that he already had a deal for whatever reason I did. Yeah, but... So, I think... Because, I mean, right now, record labels, like the big major labels, are throwing a lot of money at up-and-coming artists. 
Yeah. Um, what are they like? Universal and Warner Brothers. Yeah. Um, the Interscope's Universal, right? I believe so. It's it's under one of those umbrellas because there's like the big yeah. three, mm-hmm. and then there's the umbrella like yeah, um, yeah. like Columbia owns Sony and blah blah blah. But like mm-hmm. Lil Pump and his, I think he got like eight million from Warner Brothers. Um, it's just like stuff like that. It's like they see these stream numbers, and I they have like you said they probably plug it in to some algorithm, and it's the analytics they have and the growth of streaming platforms and yada yada, and they get a number. And that's what they roll with. I mean, uh, the closest that we've seen a big group deal, I guess, was Odd Future in 2011. Yeah. Well, in, in 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 recent years, yeah, 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 yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, recently, um, record labels really haven't. I feel like you don't hear about so many of these deals, um, or you didn't hear about them like during this chunk of time where no one knew what to do with digital music and physical copies and stuff so that's why you said the touring was so important to these independent artists Mm -hmm. um and i guess people they might have been signing if they're like we can get you on coachella and then we split the money or something i don't know how those deals work necessarily but now with this whole streaming monster there's more incentive um because there's more ways to make money less cost involved for putting the money out and putting the music out and it, these type of deals work perfectly for the artists where Brockham to guitar and stuff and now it's on the label to make their own money through the streaming platforms yeah well uh odd future signed to i think you said warner brothers right no they signed to sony oh um well i think the 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 billboard article mentioned that it was like a it was like a two million dollar deal for the whole group or something yeah but number one who is involved in that group at the time because like well channel orange came out in 2011 like is frank ocean quote-unquote odd future well at the time so I, I tried to look it up and there's not much about what the deal exactly was or maybe it's 2012 that it came um but the deal was basically they were gonna have their own imprint um and they get to control it all and release as they want with the help of like distribution by sony columbia and stuff um so like i have the list in front of me what the discography was they haven't released anything since 2016 but they have like one two three four five one two three four five so did they sign the so did they sign the odd future label yeah they they basically gave them a label they gave an imprint like odd future records began starting um once in, in that April of 2011. And it says on the Wikipedia article that Earl and Frank Ocean did not sign. Um, so Yeah, I mean, well, number one, they probably weren't weren't there. Or, well, Earl probably wasn't quite there yet. Um, but, yeah, it's... they. So this deal's kind of hard to compare it to Brockhampton. Um, yeah, but yeah. it also could be similar in the way that they have, like, multiple members releasing multiple things. Yeah, well, well, that's that's the other thing is that like, does this Brockhampton deal kind of like restrict what individual members of Brockhampton can do? Like, can they go out and sign labels, or are they under some sort of like non compete clause or something like that? Can they can they release albums, but they have to be through RCA if they're going to release I feel albums? Like all this kind of stuff. We don't like, know, obviously, but I feel like them saying because all like because of the fourteen members are included. 
makes them all wrapped up in that. Like, they are restricted. They cannot go elsewhere. Each member. That's, what, that's yeah, my which, theory, at least. I'm not sure. Yeah, I guess. But that, because, like, when, you, when it comes to Odd Future, like, I mean, like, you said they, they gave them, like, an imprint, and obviously they're going to release their own music, wh- whoever it is, you know, from Tyler all the way down to, you know, there was, like, you know, the Hood Internet at the time, uh, um, who else, like, uh, Mike G, Haji Beats, all this kind of stuff, like, they all ha- obviously had to go through this, like, Sony distribution model, like, I don't think they could, what kind of stuff was released on the Odd Future Records, exactly? Obviously, the couple compilations they had. Yes, like the first release um, was the Twelve Odd Future Songs album, um, mm-hmm. and then Mike G, The Internet, Hodge Beats, the Odd Future Tape Two, um, the Domo Genesis Alchemist, Mellow Hype albums, more Hobby G Beats, Tyler's albums up to Cherry Bomb. Um, yeah. The so The I Internet. I feel like that deal must have ran out or something. Yeah, and that's I I kind of looked around to see so things the, about the, it. The Internet. Like Ego Death was released. Under yeah, this. Ego Death and um, Feel Good were both released through this. I feel like Sid recently signed to someone new, or she signed her own independent deal, or something like that, which is what her album last year, Finn, was might have been released under. Um, but yeah, I don't. It's just like it's so interesting how these deals work out. I guess what I was trying to compare the two of them as is just like. Eventually, Odd Future got to a point to where, like, there were too many individual members big for just to stay within that smaller brand. Like, Sid especially. Um, Especially when she kind of uh, distanced herself from, like, all the the lyricism and just really the subject matter of what Odd Future used to rap about so much. Yeah. and Frank got so big, I know you said he wasn't in the deal, but obviously he was, like, associated with him. Earl has gotten so big. Tyler himself has gotten so big. Um, I guess what they're hoping is that, like, they can just keep him... Uh, what RCA is hoping with Brockhampton is that they only sign him to that three years. They just want to get, like, as much as they can out of him out of that three years, and then once that's done, who knows what happens. Yeah, um, I, I think they hope at the end of the three years they made $15 million back and they in, in in streaming money and hard sales yeah and they think that they have maybe built a relationship or could have signed one of them mm-hmm. separately or something like that i definitely yeah, think it's an investment yeah. i i don't know how much money's coming in through streaming but i don't think it's that much at all but maybe it will be who knows i yeah. i don't i don't yeah. know um but yeah the odd future thing's interesting there's just not much about it and it just all kind of i don't want to say it fell apart because everybody's successful in their own way. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, like Sid released an album. I did Damo's album. What was it from last no. year? The last one they that wasn't released. The last on one's it. um Haji's album from 2016. Hmm. But, I mean, Haji's dating Nelly Furtado now. He's good. Is he? Yeah. What I I mean that was like a few months ago. They were seen together like at one of those award shows. Oh. oh. But um, yeah. So. He's probably ghostwriting or something like that. Um, he did release music, though, recently, but it wasn't through mm-hmm. Odd Future. But, uh, yeah, so, I don't know. It's just, like, just on its surface that, like, I guess I wanted to talk about Odd Future a little bit as well. Um, 
I just feel like eventually, especially with Kevin Abstract, I thought Kevin Abstract was already like, especially with American Boyfriend, was already like a pretty big star. Um, obviously, to someone who knows him, but um, yeah, I guess they're just. I I just don't know after three years if like I don't know Matt Champion may kind of like find his own wave and like Amir Van is a really good rapper or like Raw Mill I think is is producing on a shit whose album did I see it was recently um fuck I forgot who uh it's a pop stars album but like Raw Mill just this guy from Brockhampton is producing on like a on like a kind of somewhat big name yeah um so eventually like are they going to get to that point to where uh I don't know I guess they're just happy in the place that they are, Brockhampton, and they're just like, yeah, we don't see in three years. I I guess we'll still all like each other and you know, not let our egos get in the way. And I don't know, they're just a new breed of of super group, I guess, or collective. Yeah. So I mean, the deal seems great. That's a good thing. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess I guess what it comes down to is like the deal seems great for Brockhampton. It's not long. Uh, six albums doesn't seem like a lot, especially when you have 14 people involved making it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just, uh, crazy, crazy times. Go get that money, kids. Yeah, like, Kevin might have an album already, already. They probably already yeah, have exactly. another Brockhampton project, the way they pushed mm-hmm. out the others. So they... And, like, and, and, and can, and can Matt Champion be like, oh, I have, alright, here's 14 songs, and then place a member of Brockhampton on each of them, and they use that as an album. Yeah, exactly. Like I, I'm, you know, finding like, those six albums is gonna be no problem. Brian Canton's gonna have no yeah. problem at all. Um, it's it's on RCA. The burden should always be on the label, and I think that's great. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think there needs to be more deals like this. Um, but I don't. I that it's tough. It, it's it's yeah. weird just because like streaming and, and, has brought like the major labels back into like yeah signing these type of acts. Yeah. Um, RCA art. This is like a boomer bust for RCA, like giving all this money for streams and stuff. I guess they see their fan base so. and they're like, we have to be a part of something like this. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm sure they know, like, cause odd future was successful for a long time. I'm sure they, mm-hmm. they have the numbers. Um, those type of fan bases are tough to come across. Um, and yeah, Brockhampton is really popular and they're going to keep rolling. Yeah. Good for them. Good yeah. for them. All right, let's wrap this baby up. Uh, I have no complaints this week. I have no one-third empty because the Mets won as we were taping this podcast. Uh, Rockies won last night. But Be- between take between takes one and two, Jay Bruce hit a grand slam. Nice. And the Mets won eight to two. I got one. Um, I got a one half empty here. OKC could lose mm-hmm. against Memphis and miss the playoffs because of that. I I just I hate wow. that thought. <laughs> I hate the thought of losing to Memphis because just that yeah. that's so OKC brand. That they yeah. lose, especially after being, especially after being like the fourth seed like a week ago. Yeah, and the crazy part is, I I don't know. Someone's put it out, but I don't know if it's true. If the Spurs, Jazz, and OKC are all tied, it's OKC could be the top seed of that, just because they own the tiebreaker on the Jazz, and the Jazz owns the tiebreaker on the Spurs, but OKC doesn't own the tiebreaker on the Spurs. Oh. Someone said it was a basketball guy said that OKC gets the top seed out of that, but huh. I I don't know and it's very confusing. I think look, look looking at the standings, especially because they have shit. Hold on, let me look at the standings real quick. OKC has Cause the like, Rockets tomorrow night. 
that's scary because but... by by the by the looks of it all right so okc has 45 wins denver has 43 wins but they have denver has four games left denver's the nine seed and okc has three games left yeah so if they win two games they're in no matter what but i think if they win at if they win one game denver has to win out in order to top them i believe are so clippers have to win out to get in i think right clippers still have a chance well, and then Denver and the Clippers are playing each other on Saturday. So it's it's do or die for me. So okay, so de- okay, Denver's playing Timberwolves, Clippers, Trailblazers, Timberwolves, and these are all like teams gunning for the playoffs and like still trying. So I think OKC will be all right. What they need to do is not play Carmelo Anthony. <laughs> Jeremy Grant because looks better than Carmelo every time he gets more minutes. Mm-hmm. And it, I'm sure he I does because he takes more efficient shots. Jeremy Grant. Either takes three pointers or he lays the ball up around he's the rim. He's just so athletic. You, you want him like that. darting around. Mm-hmm. And he's a better defender than Melo. And yeah, and if and the last couple weeks where Melo's been missing free throws and crunch time and all that kind of stuff, like if anything, you have him on the floor in the last couple of minutes because of his clutchness, hasn't been showing it. So yeah, I, I think Billy Donovan just really wants him to work out for the postseason. But mm-hmm. um, I mean, two seasons ago what, we saw Billy it? Donovan was a completely different coach in the playoffs. So I'll see. Yeah, what, we'll see what yeah. happens. Uh, although he did realize that one time, what did he like mouth to another coach? He was like, he was like, we can't play Cantor. Oh yeah. And then yeah. they like didn't play Cantor, and then Cantor got traded. Yeah. Um. So I wonder if Billy Donovan, under his breath, or behind his hand, will be like, we can't play Melo. I feel like he's gonna have to hit that point, and then Melo's gonna be pissed, and Melo signed for what another two years? I really hope it's. A, I think it's one. No, I think it's one. Oh, it's just one more I after think this. It's he has the player option for this one more, and then because they were talking about um, if we could stretch it, um, and I, yeah, I I'd like that. Oh, like like release him and stretch it or something. Yeah, I mean I don't know how the stretching works, but they're basically yeah. So so the the stretch provision essentially is like you can like pay, you can like pay the player over the course of like eight like over the course of like five years yeah. at like a. Probably like a ten percent interest or something yeah. like that. It was basically, but you can pretty much stretch the money out just so it doesn't hurt your cap as I much. I think it would be like they they'd be paying like three for thirty or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I don't know that that seems like the best option in case everything goes to shit and Paul George leaves. Yeah. And we have to, yeah. But anyway, yeah, yeah, that's basketball. It's gonna be stressful. Houston, Memphis, and Miami are the last three games. You gotta win one of them. I, I I will. I'm turning off everything if we lose to Miami to not make the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, that would be sad. Like be imagine sad. losing. Like you beat the Rockets and then you lose to Memphis and you lose to Miami. That is exact. That sounds like what OKC is gonna do. <laughs> uh, is their next game tonight? Tomorrow night. They're playing Memphis. It's Friday. Eastern. Gotcha. All right. Well, on that note, I guess the next time we podcast, we'll we'll know OKC's fate. All right, thanks for listening, everybody.